Good morning, Idaho. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the local Yokel Idaho podcast, where we talk about what is going on in the wonderful state of Idaho. Hey, welcome to the morning banter. This is just kind of a brief little area where I'll chat and talk with you guys in a little bit of a less formal state before we kind of get into the rest of the podcast. With that said, to those that haven't listened to the previous podcast, this might not make sense, but I think it was a couple weeks back or something, I talked about a story about a Idaho kombucha company. I think that's actually the name, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. And I personally really, really like kombucha. And so after hearing that story, I was like, I'm going to go get some and try it. I haven't had all of the ones that I got because I went to Cliff's Market, another place I would highly recommend if you're in the Ada County area, Caldwell, Nampa area, Cliff's Market, great place. Um, But I went there and I got a flavor of each one of their kombuchas that they have. They have them in cans or whatever. A little bit pricey. I mean, they were more than the, I think it's the GE brand is the main name brand, big one out there that I like and enjoy and a lot of other people do. It was like another like 50 cents, 60 cents more, something like that, which I was like, eh, I'll give it a try. Um, I haven't had all of them, but the two I have had is the blackberry fennel fig one and then the apple honey crisp flavor one. The apple honey crisp one, I liked it, um, but I, as I kind of expected, apple, I mean, when you have apple flavored things, unless it's synthetic, apple's kind of a really weak flavor in like the terms of strength. Like it's strong, yeah, apple's strong flavor and you can tell it's there. But if you try to combine it with other stuff, apple really doesn't play nicely in my opinion. You kind of have to have it with other things to kind of balance it out. And so for me, I like kind of a little bit more of a stronger flavor to my kombucha and so the apple honey crisp I didn't kind of like because it wasn't super super strong but the blackberry fennel one I like that that was a bit stronger it was good it was still a little light um, I'm looking forward to trying the huckleberry and then I can't remember the other one um, but I am I did enjoy the ones I did have and I look forward to trying the rest of them but I thought I'd share that with you guys because I said I would and then last week I didn't get to it but I did get to it this week um, to try them out and stuff. So I recommend give them a swing. You know, if you like kombucha, go check that out. Um, continuing, there are some exciting changes happening with the podcast this week, specifically this episode. Um, I've updated the format a little bit. The first thing is that I've shortened events. So instead of it being about every single town where you have Boise and then Nampa and then Caldwell and you're going down that entire list, I've kind of consolidated a little bit. Um, I've removed city events, so city council events and stuff like that isn't going to be on there anymore just for the sake of trying to streamline it. You know, if you are interested in that stuff, I may have like a segment where I'm like, hey, here's a link and you maybe in the description part of our document there that I have for people. Um, It'll have links to all the cities um, so you can jump to those real quick. But I made the decision to kind of cut those out of there because they were taking a lot of time. But events have been shortened down to, I think, performances, fun events, and other events, if I remember correctly off the top of my head here as of recording. Um, and then on top of that, the ta- it's not by town anymore. It's down by area, and there's four areas. There's the Treasure Valley, which obviously contains like Nampa and Boise, Meridian, Caldwell, all that stuff. Um, and then you have Eastern Idaho, which is the eastern part of the state with like Twin Falls and Rexburg. Um, and Pocatello and all that and everything. And then there was another one. I didn't know what to call it, so I just went with it because it was like the main towns in there. You have like McCall and Cascade area, which is kind of like the middle of the state there. 
And then you have Northern Idaho, whereas where you have Lewiston and Moscow and Sandpoint and Post Falls and all that and everything. And that'll all be contained. I'll still do the timestamp readout as you'll see today. So you can kind of jump to those categories, but they will be a lot more general kind of just looking at big performances. Here's like these cool performances are going on. Here's some fun events. Here's some other noteworthy events. And then you can kind of jump through. It did cut the time down a lot, lot more. Um, hopefully you guys like that and it'll be a little bit more efficient and make events a little bit more interesting. Um, and then the other part that I'm really, really excited about and I have been working on diligently for the last two or three weeks, kind of trying different formats, experimenting. I just haven't been able to get it streamlined enough to have it on here and different stuff is politics. I'm adding politics to the podcast purely when I say politics, I mean local politics. So that would involve stuff in the state of Idaho, not national or something. At some point, I'd love to cover what our national or not national, our federal representatives in the House um, and Senate are doing, Congress and all that and everything. Um, but right now, I've just made the choice to keep it to the local state, House, Senate, and governor and all that and everything, which it will be divided into two parts. There's the facts and discussion sections. Uh, the facts section is just where I'm going to be reading hard facts and giving an update over the previous week on a day-to-day -day basis where it's like, okay, so last Friday, this is what they voted on. This is what was said. This is when the House started. Here are the things that bills that are moving through committees. And here's what was voted and passed or not passed in the House. And then going over to the Senate, here's what was done here and yada, yada for that day. And then going through that for each individual day, it'll be a summarization of what the House and Senate has done throughout the week and kind of what the governor has done. And then in the discussion section, I'll kind of pull out Senate bills, House bills and stuff that are going through that are interesting or something that jumped out to me. That'll be kind of personal preference more than anything else, but just thinking, oh, I think people will find this interesting pulling that out. And then also having kind of just discussions based on articles and stories about some of those bills and policies and things that are going on, kind of going into a little bit of a talk discussion, as the name of the section is, kind of going over what's going on with those, talking about them, sharing my opinion, viewpoints, discussion, kind of debate. At some point, I'd love to have some different maybe speakers or people to have on as guests to talk about stuff. But that's kind of the general idea and format that I want to do with the politics going that I have going forward. Now that said, please, please, please give feedback. It will it helps a ton, especially in this section. I want the politics to be something that is informative for you guys, number one, so that no matter if you're on the left or the right of politics, at least you can have somewhere where you can regularly listen and be like, okay, so that's what happened. And then that would be like the facts section. And then the discussion section, you can come in there and be like, okay, I've given you the facts. Now here's my argument for this bill is good. This bill is bad or um, this is what I think about this and stuff and see maybe a opposite point of view. If you're someone that's more on the left, I lean more right or vice versa that someone that leans more right. I would hope that maybe I can critique or maybe bring a point of view that you wouldn't have otherwise heard on the topic and maybe be a little bit entertaining and show different things that you didn't know were going on, but you're glad to hear about. Um, but yeah, please, please give feedback in general so that I can figure out if there's things where if in the facts section, you're just like, hey, can you just shrink this down? Don't give me a day by day. Give me just a general summarization of the week of interesting bills and then a readout of who and what voted for them if you want that or if you like that format. But then in the discussion section, you want that slimmed down or whatever. 
um, please, please give some feedback um, and help me out with that so I know what you guys are wanting, what's a waste of time on my end because my time is limited when I'm working on this, and then what is really golden and means a lot to you guys and you like, or maybe ideas I haven't thought about to do with the political section and the format of it and everything. But with that said, just kind of a general update of what's all is going on in the podcast this week. I'm different. It's exciting. I hope you guys like it, the changes. Please, please reach out to me on social media or by email and let's get into the rest of the podcast. Starting off with holidays and interesting events for the week, we have Monday, Monday the 27th of February, which is National Retro Day, Strawberry and Polar Bear Day. As for in history, just one thing, in 2012, WikiLeaks disclosed 5 million emails from private intelligence companies. As for birthdays, Monday was Elizabeth Taylor's birthday and is Joanne Woodward's 92nd birthday. As for deaths, in 1936, Ivan Pavlov died. In 2003, Fred Rogers died. And lastly, in 2015, Leonard Nimoy died. Tuesday, Tuesday the 28th of February is National Tooth Fairy Day. As for in history, in 1854, the Republican Party was formally organized for the first time in Ripon, Wisconsin. And in 1991, the Gulf War ended after Iraq accepted a ceasefire. As for birthdays, nothing major, but in deaths in 2009, Paul Harvey died. And in 2015, Alex Johnson died. Then we move on to Wednesday, the 1st of March, which is National Pig Day and Horse Protection Day. As for in history, in 1780, Pennsylvania became the first state to abolish slavery. In 1847, Michigan became the first state to abolish the death penalty. In 1872, Yellowstone became the world's first national park. In 1941, Captain America was published for the first time. And lastly, in 1954, the U.S. detonated a 15-megaton hydrogen bomb at the Bikini Atoll, which was accidentally the most powerful nuclear device the U.S. detonated. As for birthdays, Wednesday was Glenn Miller's, David Niven's, and Dana Shore's birthday. Nothing major in deaths. Then moving on to Thursday, Thursday the 2nd of March is National Banana Cream Pie Day and Dr. Seuss Day. As for in history, in 1807, the U.S. Congress banned the slave trade within the U.S., which went into effect January 1st, 1808. And then lastly, in 2002, the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan began. As for birthdays, Thursday was Dr. Seuss's and Mikhail Gorbachev's birthday. As for in-deaths, in 1939, Howard Carter died. Friday, Friday the 3rd of March is National Speech and Debate Day and Anthem Day. As for in history, in 1873, the U.S. Congress enacted the Common Stock Law, making it illegal to send, quote, obscene, lewd, or vexatious books through the mail. And lastly, in 1991, Los Angeles police officers beat motorist Rodney King. This incident was captured on video and led to riots about the officers being acquitted. As for birthdays, Friday was Alexander Graham Bell's birthday and Rodney Keaton's 45th birthday. As for deaths, in 1959, Lou Costello died and in 2018, Roger Bannister died. Moving on to Saturday, Saturday the 4th of March is National Play Outside Day and National Sons Day. As for in history, in 1801, Thomas Jefferson was inaugurated president. 
1861, Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated president. In 1849, President Zachary Taylor delayed his inauguration ceremony one day because it landed on Sunday and he refused to work on the Sabbath. In 1924, the song Happy Birthday to You was published. In 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt was inaugurated president and famously said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, end quote. And lastly, in 1936, the Hindenburg took its first flight. Nothing major in birthdays, but in deaths in 1994, John Candy died. Lastly, we come to Sunday, Sunday the 5th of March, which is National Finishers Medal Day. As for in history, in 1946, Winston Churchill gave his Iron Curtain speech in Fulton. Nothing major in birthdays, but in deaths in 1827, Alessandro Volta died. And in 1953, Joseph Stalin died. Moving on to upcoming events, I'm going to read the timestamps for each area. That way you can jump to whichever one you're interested in, thus saving you time. Starting off with the Treasure Valley at 14 minutes, Eastern Idaho at 16 minutes, 27 seconds, McCall slash Cascade area at 18 to 28 minutes, Northern Idaho at 19 minutes, 29 seconds, and the end of events at 21 minutes, 4 seconds. Starting off with the Treasure Valley area in performances in Boise Wednesday, there is an Entrepreneurial Connect series from 3 p.m. to 4.15 p.m. at 2360 West University Drive. Also in Boise Friday, there is a live performance of Cinderella at 7 p.m. at the Morrison Center. Also Friday, there is a Cardi Piano Chamber concert at 6.30 p.m. at the Idaho State Museum. The Boise Philharmonic will be putting it on, and tickets are $15 a person. Then Thursday and Saturday, there is a Speed Dating Tonight performance at the Morrison Center. Check below for times and dates. That's also in Boise. Most of the performances here are in Boise. Then Sunday, a performance called An American Dream at 2.30 p.m. is at the Egyptian Theater in Boise. Next Monday, February 16th, the Discovery Center is getting a new exhibit called The Fan Strike Back, one of the largest Star Wars fan exhibits featuring items from fans around the world. Also, and lastly, for Boise events, next Tuesday, February 17th, there is a National Geographic Live Nature Roaring Back performance at 7 p.m. at the Morrison Center. Then in Emmett, from Wednesday to Saturday, there is an EHS drama called The Play That Goes Wrong. Check below for times and prices for that. Then moving on into fun events. In Boise Saturday, there is a British car and coffee meeting at 9.30 p.m. at the Chow Public Market and Eatery. In Caldwell Friday, there is a farmhouse sign class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Then in Nampa Saturday, there is a spring flower cookie decorating class from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. And then coming back to Emmett, Thursday, there is a Gem County Christian Homeschoolers game day from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at 10th Street Ball and RV Park Covered Picnic Area. 
And then we lastly come to other events in Caldwell Saturday and Sunday. There's the Hawaii Gem and Mineral Society Rock and Gem Show. Nampa Thursday, there is a proper tree selection and planning class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Nampa Council Chambers. The class is free, but you will need to register. And then in Caldwell Saturday, the Caldwell Depot is having an open house from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And lastly, in other events, every Sunday, the Boise Depot has an open house and tours. It is open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The tours are from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. For more information about anything talked about, check the link in the description below. Moving a little east of the Treasure Valley, we have Eastern Idaho. In performances in Pocatello Friday, the ISU Choir will be performing their midwinter concert from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. at the Stevens Performing Arts Center. Also in Pocatello Friday, there is the first Friday Art Walk downtown from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. There will be displays of local art and music downtown. In Twin Falls Friday, there is a performance of the Titanic musical at 7.30 p.m. at the CSI Fine Arts Theater. Um, then in Idaho Falls Wednesday, there is a Lent soup supper from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. at 270 North Place Avenue, Idaho Falls. And also in Idaho Falls Friday, the Snake River Animal Shelter is having a performance called Furball at 5.30 p.m. at the Mountain American Center. Moving into fun events in Pocatello Tuesday, there is a trivia night from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Jim Dandy Brewing. It is $15 a team, and I think it goes up to six people per team. Also in Pocatello Thursday, there is a family game night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Pond Student Union Building. Continuing with the Pocatello theme there, in Pocatello Thursday, there is a DIY terrarium class for kids from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Idaho Museum of Natural History. It is free, but you will need to register for it. And then in Rexburg Wednesday, there is pickup ball from 5.15 p.m. to 7 p.m. at 210 Auxiliary Gym. And then also in Rexburg Saturday, there is fencing from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at 234 Fitness Studio. And other events, just two things. In Twin Falls Thursday, there is a sewing class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 762 Falls Avenue, Twin Falls. And then coming back to Idaho Falls Wednesday, there is organic gardening class from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the CHE building. They'll be going over how to grow tomatoes, peppers, and other plants in the nightshade family. For more information about anything talked about, go check the links in the description below. Moving a little north, we come to McCall and Cascade area. Nothing in performances, but in fun events. In McCall Friday, the McCall Parks and Recreation is having a Tiki Torch Trek from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the McCall Golf Course. Also in McCall, there is cross-country skiing and snowshoeing available at the Meadow Creek Golf Resort from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for an adult day pass. It is $10, and for youth, it is $5. This event is ongoing until April 30th. Then Thursday and Sunday, there is ice skating open at the Cascade Aquatic and Recreation Center. Then also in Cascade, Friday, there is a swing dance class from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is free for all ages to attend. It will be happening at the Valley Club building. It will be on country and line dancing. If you have any questions, call Steve at 208-861-8486. Lastly, in other events, just one thing in Cascade, Friday, there is bingo at the Senior Center from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. For more information about anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. 
Lastly, we end up at the frozen north of Idaho there, northern Idaho. In performances in Moscow Wednesday, there is a pollinator summit at 10 a.m. at the Lanton County Fair Office, also in Moscow. But on Sunday, there is the 25th annual cruise world event from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Bruce Pittman Center. It is free to come, but the food will cost money. Also in Moscow Sunday, there is a brewery comedy tour at 4 p.m. at Rant and Raves Brewery. Then we move to Coeur d'Alene. Friday and Sunday, there is an NIBCA home and garden show at Kootenai County Fairgrounds. Then moving to Sandpoint Thursday, there is a Wild and Scenic Film Festival at 6 p.m. Tickets are $15 a piece. Then moving into fun events in Lewiston Friday, there is a fish fry from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at All Saints Catholic Church. And then in Sandpoint Wednesday, there is an open mic night at 6 p.m. at the Turvin Tavern. In other events, in Lewiston Friday, there is a coffee and books from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. at the Library Community Room. In Pulse Falls Saturday, there is a landscaping for fire prevention class from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the University of Idaho Research Park. The class is $10 a person. Also, in Pulse Falls Saturday, there is a concealed carry class at 9 a.m. at Cabela's. And then lastly... Uh, and lastly, in Sandpoint Friday, there is a Clark Fork Chaos Market from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Clark Fork Filling Station. For more information about anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Moving into news for this week, we have our first story here, Prehistoric Exhibit in Idaho Falls. This comes by the East Idaho News by Adam Forsgren. So I talked about this a week or two ago, but now it is open to the public, not just members. The Museum of Idaho in Idaho Falls has an exhibit called Dinos of the Deep and includes 36 fossil remains, including massive carnivorous fish, airplane-sized flying reptiles, and immense turtles. Most of the fossils were found in Kansas and the Dakotas that are on display. With that said, the article did answer the question of why not as many fossils are found here in Idaho. It has more to do with the difficulty of finding them here than the lack of their existence. In Kansas and other parts of the country, fossils are more easily found than in the Rocky Mountain land that Idaho has where it's a little difficult to find things. The photos look super, super cool. I'm almost tempted to go with my sister, siblings, and maybe some friends for just a little bit of a day road trip to go over to see it because it looks like a really, really cool exhibit. In the article, they also went into, I think it's Sue. It's kind of, it's like a famous one. Um, there's this one skeleton that they have of a T-Rex that's fully complete. I think it's Sue. I might be wrong. Um, or maybe it's Allie. Maybe it's Allie. I feel like I'm, I'm going to go with Allie now. Um, that they had an exhibit. I don't know if they still have it there at the same time that this is going on. But from the photos and stuff, it looked really, really cool. If you're in the eastern Idaho area or even maybe, you know, in the western part, Treasure Valley, I would recommend giving it a look and maybe traveling over because the exhibit looks really, really cool and well done. And it's something that's here in the state. It's not like you need to go down to Salt Lake to see it or up to Seattle to find some of the museums up there. It looks just really, really cool. Um, I know for some people that think fossils are boring and stuff, I think it's just crazy cool and amazing to see um, if you're a person who believes more in the evolutionary standpoint it's what has happened back in the past in the earth and the things that have evolved and developed but as a christian myself it's just crazy to see the immense ingenuity 
and uniqueness that God had when he was creating all these creatures and to imagine a time when all this, including what we know today, and that all it coexisted in one world and that it existed, that it was something that either man saw or understood. I mean, it kind of gives a little bit more credence to the Bible, I would say, or I would say at least humor at the most, where you see certain parts of scripture in the Old Testament where people are very fearful of the oceans, not as much for like sailing on them, but you know, for obvious reasons of what's in them, because as we see the fossil record now and seeing what creatures were in the oceans back then by the fossils after the flood and stuff, it is crazy to see. And I could understand someone being like, yeah, I'm not going out on the water there because the type of creatures that exist in the depths of that ocean are there's armored fish, giant turtles, crabs. I mean, just the whole slew of prehistoric things that we found that existed in the past is just scary, scary. It would be cool to see them in person, but then, you know, I would be like, I, I, I want a very, very big, very, very strong steel ship to protect me from these things. <laughs> but yeah, in short, go check it out. If you're not going to go, at least check out the photos. I think it's super cool. Um, and that's why I put it at the first article here. Next story here is a little bit less of a cool one and more about city events. City of Nampa purchased two golf courses. This comes by the Boise Dev by Idaho Press staff. This last Tuesday, the purchase of Centennial Golf Course and Ridgecrest Golf Course by the city of Nampa was finalized. The purchase comes to the tune of $5.5 million, $3 million of which comes from the Golf Fund Reserve and the rest from the city's General Fund Reserve. To be clear, Nampa has been leasing the land from the state to build those golf courses which started back in 1983. Now, for the past 17 years, the city has been exploring the option of buying it outright, but they finally pulled the trigger last Tuesday, which I didn't know. I thought the golf courses here or in Nampa were just completely privately owned. It wasn't anything to do with the city. There was these companies that owned them and operated them, and they had gotten all the land that they needed and everything and, you know, were private entities, not the city. But that's kind of interesting to see that it was actually leased from the state level down to the city. And then the city was using it and paying the state for it, but now has been able to outright buy it, which should decrease the amount of revenue that Nampa is having to spend to have those things and put more back in the coffers because then they can have full use of all the revenue that's coming from those things. It'll be interesting to see what changes and stuff they make. I know the article did stress it heavily that the possibility of this existing and happening comes down to a lot of volunteer work and the community and that they couldn't do it without that. And so I do want to stress that for all those that have served and helped with the parks and grown them and built them into what they are and the revenue that was able to be made from that to then actually buy the land is all due in part to those people working very, very hard to do those things and also to the wonderful, uh, slightly forced contribution of uh, taxpayers. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that going forward. I don't have too much more commentary on there, but I felt like it was worth putting it as a main story. A little bit of a fun story now, Boise Glass Boeing. This comes by the Boise Dev by Ann Daly. For those looking for a cool, tough, but rewarding hobby, in Boise there is a glass blowing business called Sawtooth Glass Project. 
In the owner's words, quote, the mission of the project is to educate and introduce as many people as possible to this craft I love so dearly, end quote. They specialize in flamework glass blowing. There are many different types of glass blowing, but this is the primary one they do. For those interested, they offer classes you can take to learn to do glass blowing. The classes are made up of groups of three or more people. But if you feel a little bit more laid back like me, you can purchase the finished product from their online website or at local events such as the Boise Art Museum's Art in the Park event that they do, which I have to admit, I've never been really, really interested in glass blowing, but I know for some people, they love it a ton. And But I do have to admit, if you go online and you kind of see some of the videos of the process of doing glass blowing and making glass kind of sculptures and arts and things, it is crazy, crazy. The the things that are going on and the colors and it's really, really pretty stuff. I mean, if I'm ever thinking about it, I definitely will try to buy from them because um, glass blowing stuff is really, really, really pretty. I mean, it's up there, really high up there. I know stained glass, I don't know if it's in the same category. I don't know enough about glass related science and things, but stained glass is also really, really pretty. Um, for some of the photos that they showed of the business, the stuff he does looks great. They also added a little point that was a little funny is that when he's making stuff there at the project, he say he has like four mugs or three mugs that he has to make. He almost has to make six, seven, eight, ten of those to make sure that he gets at least like three that are consistent or four that are consistent that he can actually sell. So they look like they're a matching group and not like separates that he kind of jumbled together, which is kind of interesting to think about in our mass produced world. Oftentimes we'll be like, if I can't have a consistency of X, Y, and Z, we won't do it. That's why certain companies um, kind of coming back to my world that I understand tech stuff. That's why Intel and AMD, they have certain processors that they can make. And they're like, cool, this processor is like super fast and way better than anything on the market. But when we make a batch of them, um, only 15% of them are good and the rest are bad. And they're like, we can't do that at scale. Yeah, that chip, when we then put that architecture into everything, it's super, super fast and it's super, super great and it's better than anything else. But the margins of efficiency of making those things, we can't get it where we want it, so we're not going to make it. That's a lot of what I hear is the process in making uh, new CPUs and GPU stuff is that figuring out, okay, making a chip that they can to do the speed they want, but then figuring out, okay, we can make it, but we need a certain amount of the batch to be good. Because even in the CPUs and GPUs we use today and the silicon and the wafers that they're using, there's a certain amount of calculated per batch that are going to be bad that they just have to chuck when they're making those. It's almost like a cooking process. It's crazy Frankenstein modern silicon baking things, which I'm not going to get into. Um, but I, I've digressed a little bit. If any of you guys are interested in the glass blowing do check it out. I think it looks like a really cool place. They didn't say the prices for the classes. I'm assuming they're a little bit more spendy, but at least it's going to a small business that's local and you're doing something with someone that really, really cares about what they're doing. Next one is changes for the Caldwell Airport. This comes by KTVB7 by Abby Davis. For those of us in Caldwell, it's not a small town anymore, as many of you can understand, and that is reflected in the airport, which has had 147,000 takeoffs and landings this last year. The number of planes coming from in-state and out-of-state shows no signs of slowing. So to keep it with traffic, the city of Caldwell is planning on making some upgrades and changes to the airport. This would include some more hangars, a wash rack for planes, extending the runway, and most notably, a control tower. With the control tower, it would make the airport a controlled airport requiring radio communications to land. 
which is encouraging to see. I mean, more industry, more money coming into Caldwell that allows the city to do more stuff like we've seen with Indian Creek um, kind of getting built up and some of the towns and industry and new projects that are being added to the area that are super, super cool. I have to admit the ice skating rink, I think, is one of my favorite things that Caldwell has added recently in its public kind of work stuff. Um, but it is kind of sad as someone who I lived in Boise for 15 years, but I always came out to Caldwell because my grandparents are out here and then now moving out here. Um, Caldwell definitely used to be a lot smaller and a lot more rural and has grown and grown and gotten into something bigger. It's kind of funny. I mean, I'm not trying to rag on kind of my full Idahoans, but, um, there seems to be kind of a little bit of a competition between the city councils, between Nampa and Caldwell that Nampa's like, cool, we've got all these businesses. And then Caldwell comes back, but is like, well, we have all these cool small businesses. And then Nampa's like, but we've got a Costco. And then Caldwell's like, we got the Indian Creek Plaza that attracts a bunch of people. And then Nampa's like, well, we got golf courses. And so it feels like this kind of unsung back and forth between the two towns trying to be the more dominant out West town. Um, I think Caldwell sometimes benefits being further out west because then people coming across the border or from the Owyhee County, if I remember my county kind of placement correctly, gets a lot more of that because people can just come in and then go out rather than having to pass through Caldwell to get to Nampa. But as someone who's in Caldwell, it's nice that Nampa's like right there so I can like, okay, cool, I like Caldwell, but then also I can jump out of Caldwell and go to my more big chains that I like, you know, like Chick-fil-A or Costco or other things to get my stuff and then I can jump back over to Caldwell that's a little bit more rural and laid back and the road system makes sense. Um, Caldwell is still doesn't have the best road system compared to like over with Nampa. Nampa's road system, hands down, I mean, I thought Meridian's was the case, but driving around Nampa and living more out here, the Nampa road system is weird and I have a way to hit for it to make sense. If you are sitting there and you're having a hard time with the Nampa road system, just try to think like a train engineer. What do I mean by that? Well, Nampa was built in the beginning, I would argue, by railroad people. And so the roads reflect that. If you look at them from a top down on like Google Maps, it looks like a rail yard. And so if you think as a train engineer, then it makes a lot of sense. But that doesn't mean it makes sense for cars. It would work for trains. So if you're having a hard time figuring out how to move around Caldwell, just kind of get in the mindset of like, okay, imagine this is a train rail yard. How do I move around in here? Caldwell kind of suffers that a little bit because it wants to connect up to all the Caldwell's roads. So it has to be on this weird slant where it's not like directly going west, west, east, north, south, that it has to be at this like angle. But a lot of the roads, I feel like you aren't having as crazy of some weird intersections and stuff. Um, but it's still kind of there, but Caldwell truly does kind of have that dysfunction with its roads and things. But in any case, um, part of the article did go into the fact that there may be some like bigger airplanes that would be able to land with the larger runway, but most of these upgrades from what I could tell from reading the article have to do more with expanding to take on the added demand of airplanes coming in and out, small private ones and having the control tower would help decrease the chances of an inevitable wreck happening because as it stands right now it's kind of a free-for-all some people don't have to communicate you just come in and land and you have to know where all your other pilots are and they aren't made or forced to have to talk to other people and so it kind of increases the chances of a possible wreck and things happening and so with that increased traffic the city's wanting to add a control tower that would then control that to make sure you you could handle more of those airplanes coming in and out and not having wrecks in the air around the airport Continuing on the golfing theme here, we have our next story, More Golf in Boise. This comes by the Boise Dev by Ann Daly. 
So all of you know or have heard the news about Top Golf, the huge outdoor multi-stall outdoor setup. Well, for those that have an aversion to the sun or would just like to practice before they go out, there's a new place in Boise just for that. X Golf is an indoor golf simulator store. They have seven simulators and lessons taught by PGA professionals. The simulators aren't as much meant to replace the course, but more to help you perfect your skills before you go out. The technology allows them to track the distance the ball would have carried the launch angle you sent it at and how much force you put into your swing. Each simulator can host up to six people and they also will allow for a VIP simulator that you can rent out by the hour. I'm assuming with that VIP simulator you can have it kind of to yourself so you don't have to spend it with other people. I think this is a really cool idea. They didn't say pricing but if the pricing is affordable enough I think this would be a really great way if you're someone's like hey I'm gonna get into golf but on the other hand, I don't have the money or feel confident yet plunking down the amount it takes for a golf course membership or something and then get all the tools and everything. But you could do this and go in and practice. And then once you feel like, yeah, I got my form down, I'm good, I got this, I can do this. If I go out golfing, I can actually put things in the hole like I'm wanting and stuff. And uh, you, that kind of imposter syndrome and stuff kind of wears away. And then you can go out to the course and do that or during the winter to keep your skills up and stuff. I think this is a really, really great idea. I might even check it out for me and my dad and stuff if the price is affordable that's the key thing if it's the same price as going to like a course or something then at that point I'm like why would I do that I'll just go to a driving range which is probably going to be cheaper to pay for that and a bucket of balls and then just go a couple weeks and shoot that and practice and stuff and I'm actually outside and enjoying the sunlight and things and spending time and maybe interacting with some other people um, then again, if you're an introvert, this might be a better thing with the VIP simulator, <laughs> but if the price isn't competitive enough, then I could see a lot of people just still going to the driving range. But if the price is that more affordable bracket, I could see a lot of people doing this and them growing and making a lot of revenue. It sounds like a really, really cool idea. This brings us to our last news story and interesting one. I try to save the interesting one for last. This one isn't the most, but I still thought it was a funny and interesting one to kind of throw in there at the end. Where are Idahoans moving to out of state? This comes by KTVB7 by staff. We all know very well the many people that are moving into the state, majority of them from California. But have you ever wondered where Idahoans moving out of the state are headed? Well, here's a list of them in the order of the top five states. Number one is Washington. Number two, Utah. Number three, Oregon. Number four, California. So I guess we're swapping back and forth there. And then number five, Arizona. To give some context to those numbers and what we're talking about, about 12,599 people moved from Idaho to Washington and about 6,752 moved from Utah during the run of the study. Which, it's interesting to see. I mean, we kind of forget about that. We're just assumed that no one's leaving and then everyone's coming in. But I have met some friends that I love and I enjoy. And they're no longer in the state and they've moved out. And I've stayed connected with them. And the different spots they moved um, for business or work or different stuff after graduation. Which makes sense and all that and everything. Um, but I think we do kind of forget that. We're like, oh no, all these people are coming in and no one's leaving. So housing and blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, it definitely happens because we're not, you know, sending people out at the rate that we're gaining them. So that creates an issue. But I could understand Washington where you could see a lot of people that grow up here in Idaho and stuff and then get their degree or teaching or college and stuff. And they're like, hey, okay, I've got this degree. I've got everything. I really like Idaho. My family's here. I like this and everything. And so I don't want to go back east. And, you know, maybe I'm a little bit conservative and I don't want to go all the way down to California or something politically wise. And they're like, hey, you know, I go up to Washington and, you know, Seattle is kind of liberal, but at least it's closer to where I want to be in kind of the environment and land 
landscape is kind of what I understand a little bit more. And I can go up there and have my, you know, bigger, more corporate job, be it drones or industry or software or whatever else. And then it's really easy to get back to my family and stuff. Utah, I could see that if someone like rose up here in Idaho and then they're like, I do not like the cold weather. I want something more warm. I want something with less, you know, trees or stuff. If you grow up north or something or less snow and then they move to Utah and then Oregon for obvious reasons. I mean, Oregon and Idaho are kind of like uh, sister states in that sense. I know so many people, for me anyways, being in the uh, western part of the state, eastern people probably not as much, but a ton of people that I've met that I stay connected to that are just over the border on the other side and I've talked with and stuff and they have very similar views and talking and chatting and kind of the culture is very similar. Comes back to the greater Idaho thing. (laughs) Um, But I could totally see someone being like, hey, I like Idaho and I want to be close there again, kind of like Washington and then just jumping over. Then California, I that one's interesting to me. I think that comes down more to business, but I could also see some people that maybe grew up here in the state in the Treasure Valley area and are more left-leaning and are like, hey, you know, I liked growing here and I have that, but I've got a job and stuff and I'm going to move out and I don't like the how Republican the state is and I'm going to go to a more left-leaning state and I like all the stuff that California is doing and stuff. So I can understand that, which is kind of some interesting statistics and numbers. If you want to go into the granularity of those states and the numbers and stuff they were seeing, you can go jump into the article. But I thought it was interesting and worth sharing. It's kind of a side I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, so I thought it was worth bringing up on the podcast. But we'll move into the quickies here. First quickie here, gas leak in Idaho Falls. This comes by the East Idaho News by Rhett Nelson. Last Tuesday afternoon in Idaho Falls, there was a gas leak near South Fork Boulevard. The road was closed to deal with the leak. It was the result of a construction crew hitting a small service line. As of right now, Intermountain Gas is working to repair the leak, but it is unclear when the leak will be repaired. Next one is new boba shop opening up. This comes by the Boise Dev by Gretchen Parsons. Boise is getting another boba tea and dessert store in Boise. The new shop is called Bubbles and Boba. It is located at 1051-8 West Fairview Avenue. One thing to note that makes it different from other boba restaurants is the fact that you can get bubble waffles. They are a street food from Hong Kong. Moscow University Considering Demolishing Murder House. This comes by the East Idaho News by Sean Goodwin. The University of Idaho is considering demolishing the house where the stabbing deaths happened last November. This comes as the owners of the property have given it over to the university. According to a U of I spokesperson, they're planning to demolish the house before the end of the spring semester. With that said, they're planning to do something with the property to give honor to the four students who died. Granted, it's still up in the air what that final thing will look like. Last quickie and fun one here, Bogus Basin passes sale. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Bogus Basin announced last Monday that you can buy passes for the 2023-2024 season of skiing. According to the press release, quote, these sales offer the opportunity for recreational enthusiasts to secure the deepest discounts on Bogus Basin seasonal passes, end quote. Welcome to the political section, starting off with facts, 
Nothing major in governors, but moving to the House. Bills working their way through. House Bill 164, lease amending existing laws to provide for 60 days written notice for intent not to renew by landlord tenant. House Bill 173, property amending existing laws provide that foreign government or foreign state controlled enterprises shall not purchase, acquire, or hold any interest in certain types of property in Idaho. House Bill 175, communication security adds to existing laws prohibit state employees from using or downloading TikTok on state-issued devices to provide that the state shall implement control to prevent the use of TikTok on state-issued devices and provide a penalty. House Bill 180, State Treasury amending existing laws provide for idle monies to be invested in physical gold and silver in certain instances. House Bill 182, establishing clause and free speech compliance as to existing laws to establish provisions regarding silent prayer. House Bill 185 fuel tax adds to existing laws to establish provisions regarding electric fuel tax for commercial electric vehicles. House Bill 65 notice amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding obscene websites. House Bill 163 parental rights amending existing laws to provide for certain disclosures and school policies. House Bill 196 education amending existing laws to provide that school boards shall have the authority to opt policies and procedures regarding student clubs and organizations. House Bill 186, methods of execution, amends existing laws provide for execution by firing squad and to provide certain requirements prior to execution. House Bill, and then this is the last one going through, House Bill 195, education adds to existing laws to provide for the display of national model in certain circumstances. In bills passed this week in the House, House Bill 97, state control, amends and adds to existing laws to provide that all state officers and agencies shall report agreements entered into the state controller. House Bill 64, residential care and assisted living, amending existing laws to provide that residential care or assisted living facilities, residents shall be entitled to an in-person visitation subject to certain precautions. House Bill 170, state government as to existing law to prohibit state agencies from donating to or sponsoring non-government event or organizations to provide exemptions and to provide a penalty. House Bill 90, legal notice amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding electronic publications of legal notices. House Bill 66, crimes adds to existing laws provide that reporting child abuse, abandonment, or neglect falsely or in bad faith is a misdemeanor. House Bill 169, criminal history records amends existing laws to provide criminal history records and shall be shielded from disclosure under circum circumstances. House Bill 124 amends existing laws to revise provisions regarding accepted voter identification at polls. Senate Bill 1029 amends and adds to existing laws to prohibit child protection investigations based on child's immunization status and provide that a court shall not grant an order terminating a parent and child relation based on the child's immunization status. House Bill 116 amends existing laws to revise permissions regarded to automatic subscription renewal cancellations. House Bill 155 adds to existing laws to prohibit requiring for certain purposes a COVID-19 vaccine or vaccine offered under emergency use authorization. House Bill 94, non-toxic weeds, amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding county duties associated with certain notices. 
House Bill 95, amending existing laws to clarify that animal remedies for certain animals that include ingredients from industrial hemp are not considered adulterated. House 96 bill, amending existing laws to provide for the provision and development of clean energy resources for declared purposes to revise provision regarding powers of Idaho Energy Resource Authority and to provide for clean energy generation projects. And lastly, House Bill 106 adds to existing laws to prevent any type of local government entity from restricting certain types of utility connections. Moving on to the Senate and bills being worked through, Senate Bill 110, elections, amending existing laws to provide for open source software to provide a requirement for voting tally system to provide that the county clerk post a sample ballot and to open source software use and to provide legislative intent regarding certain duties for Secretary of State. House Bill 96, energy resources, amending existing laws to provide for the promotion and development of clean energy resources for declared purpose to revise provisions regarding the powers of Idaho Energy Resource Authority and to provide for clean energy generation projects. Senate Bill 1108, tobacco tax, amending existing laws provide for a tobacco tax cap to 50 cents per cigar. Then Senate Bill 1033, as to existing laws to provide for the appropriation of groundwater for supplemental irrigation use. Senate Bill 1094 amends existing laws to provide for temporary registration of experienced international medical graduates who are in the United States as asylum, humanitarian, parlays, or refugees, and to require the registration agreed to the practice in health profession shortage area. Senate Bill 1071, amend existing laws prohibit instruction of human sexuality, sexual orientation, or gender identity prior to fifth grade. Senate Bill 1063, amend existing laws to revise provisions regarding the careless exposure of barbed wire and revise penalties. Senate Bill 1029, juvenile proceedings, amends and adds to existing laws prohibit a child protection investigation based on a child's immunization status and provide that the court shall not grant an order terminating a parent-child relation based on a child's immunization status. Then House Bill 149, criminal history record, amending existing laws to provide that criminal history records shall not be shielded from disclosure under certain circumstances. House Bill 124, voters, amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding accepted voter identification at polls. House Bill 116, consumer protections, amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding automatic subscription renewal cancellations. House Bill 155, adds to existing laws to prohibit requiring for certain purposes a COVID-19 vaccine or a vaccine offered under emergency use authorization. House Bill 133, motor vehicles, amending existing laws to allow for private parental driver education. House Bill 73, drug courts and mental health courts, adds to existing law to authorize counseling services to an adult receiving services through a drug or mental health court. House Bill 59, income tax, amends existing laws to revise a provision regarding income tax for capital investments. House Bill 89, City Council amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding the filing of a vaccine on council and to provide for the filing of a vaccine in certain instances. House Bill 80, income tax amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding evidence of taxpayers' expenditures. And lastly, House Bill 64, public records amending existing laws to define unwarranted invasion of personal privacy. In bills passed by the Senate, Senate Bill 1064, motor vehicle titles 
amending existing laws to provide for certain temporary permits and to establish a limitation for insurance. Senate Bill 1039 property adds to existing law to provide that fees imposed on residential tenants shall be reasonable and to prohibit certain fees, fines, assignments, interest, and other costs. House Bill 5, public assistant, repeals existing laws related to food stamp revolving fund, which is no longer in use. House Bill 4, uniform controlled substances, amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding controlled substances. House Bill 3, physician and physical assistants, amending existing laws to revise definitions and remove requirements regarding supervisory registration. Senate Bill 1054, amending existing laws to provide for the re-employment of certain retired members under certain circumstances. House Bill 56, transportation, amending existing laws to revise the definition of daylight hours with respect to certain drivers. Senate Bill 1051, outfitters and guides, amending existing laws to revise provisions regarding the liability of outfitters and guides. Senate Bill 1049, endowment land, adds to existing laws to provide for the notice of restrictions, regulation, and prohibition on endowment land and to provide for punishment and violations. Senate Bill 1039, immigration, adds to existing laws to provide for the enforcement of federal immigration law by governmental entities in this state. Senate Bill 1047, alcoholic beverages, amends the existing laws to authorize the insurance of a license to certain establishments in resort cities. House Bill 9, Transportation, amends existing laws to provide for the electronic renewal of commercial driver's license and to provide for the sharing of residence information between Idaho State Tax Commission and the Idaho Transportation Department. House Bill 17, State Personal System, amends existing laws to revise the definition of overtime work. And lastly, Senate Bill 1019, Unemployment Insurance, amends existing laws to provide for unemployment insurance benefits to victims of domestic violence and spouses of transferred military members. Moving into the discussion area of the podcast, first like notable thing I wanted to bring up, Senate bill requiring separation of school bathrooms. In short, without going into a lot of back and forth, this bill is going through the Senate Education Committee, Bill 1100. This bill would require schools not to allow someone of the other gender to go into a bathroom that is not their actual sex. An added part to this bill is if any student or person finds someone of the opposite sex in the wrong bathroom, can find the school $5,000 for each instance. I would recommend you go read the bill real quick. I thought about reading through it here, but for the sake of time and just this week, there being a lot of different moving parts and stuff, I'm going to kind of not read, go through the whole thing there, but I would highly recommend you do. Go check the link in the description and read through it there. But in short, if you're a little bit more left-leaning, you may have something against this, but I, coming in with my opinion and belief here, being a Christian, um, gender is something intrinsic. It's not something you can change. Um, and the most loving thing to do for that person is to tell you that that's not the case and to bring you closer to reality, that you have issues. Issues begin is when you start deviating from really what is occurring at the world. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what political side you are on or you hold to. Um, I really wish that all of us could agree that at the end of the day, we want to do what is true and what is right and to understand what is 
true in this world. You know, what is factual, what is grounded? Is the sky blue? Yes. You know, does gravity exist? We want to both, no matter what political side we are, let's ground ourselves on what is true and what really exists and the two parties working together to hopefully refine and balance each other out to figure out what is true and what is right and then to apply that to our rules and laws and regulations. With that said, you cannot change your gender. Yeah, you can go and do surgery and all these different things, but at the end of the day, you are still a woman or a man, and there that's all it is in my opinion. I have not seen any evidence or logic to show me otherwise. Now, if someone out there wants to reach out to me and have that discussion and share stuff that they think says otherwise, then by all means, please email me or send me something on Twitter. But as it says in God's Word, and I believe there is a God in the universe, that he created man, male and female. And in doing so... Each one of those roles have certain distinct characteristics, just like when you're designing the difference between a truck or a sedan. They both are cars, yes, they both use combustion engines, but they are vastly different in the way they are designed and the way you use them, they will be more effectively. If I try to use a truck to go racing, it's going to be horrible for the truck. It's going to work the engine way more than it needs to be. Things are going to fail sooner. Problems are just going to happen all over the place. Can I try to do that? Yeah, I can try to do that, but it's not going to go well. On the flip side, if I take the race car to the track, it'll do great, and it'll run circles, circles, circles around that truck. On the flip side, if I try to take the Ferrari out um, doing backcountry stuff and trying to tow things, it's going to suck horribly. But if I take the truck, the truck's going to do an amazing job and it's going to be in its element and it's going to do great. Same thing coming over here. God designed us male and female and in that designing, we have certain roles and certain ways that we think and act that we're better designed to do. Women are more interested in people. Men are more interested in things generally, generally speaking. And thus we function better in those certain situations and roles. So with that said, coming full circle to this bill, I would argue that having this separation is good because it's just a factual fact of how we are different, especially in the genitalia side. Now, with that said, some might, you know, disagree with me on the uh, ethical and definitional things that I got into, but purely at a purely basic standpoint, I think it's good to do this just to protect and be aware of those that are younger and not exposing children to such sexual concepts when they're this young. When you get older and you're married and you have your own house or something, I would argue you shouldn't do that, but it is up to you, you know, in the bathrooms and stuff like that with adults um, to a certain extent, but not at schools, not with young children at least. We should be able to agree on that ground. Um, and so I'm hoping this continues to go forward. I know some people are kind of against the $5,000 fine type of thing I was reading. I think you got to put some teeth to it, like with any bill, be it one you agree with or one you disagree with. You got to give it some teeth. If it's just a general bill that says, can't do this, well, then that means only when a police officer or someone catches you, it's got no teeth. But if it's got teeth that private citizens can sue and fine and do these things to institutions, it puts a lot more weight behind that bill, be it for a left-leaning bill or for a conservative bill. It just puts more teeth into it. So I would argue that's less of a aimed thing if you want to call it you know uh, transgender or transphobic or whatever you want to call it it's just the fact of if you want a bill and you really mean that you want that bill as a lawmaker to have some action some teeth in the public then you have to give it the ability for the public to enforce it through fines which at the end of the day is the best that a uh, civilian person or the general public can do compared to the government that can actually bring the law and the hammer down more 
Next story here in Political Stories is God We Trust panel. This comes by KTVB7 by Jeremy Stiles. So I was going to try and write some facts about this, but I'm just going to read the bill and then try to wrap my head around it. For the record, at face value, I like the idea of the spirit of this bill, but I just don't understand it. So I'm going to read the whole thing since it's short, and then I'm going to try to get my head around what's going on here and everything. As of the writing of this script, this last Thursday, the 23rd, the bill, this specific bill we're talking about was referred to the Education Committee. As for the context of the bill, an act related to education amending Chapter 1, Title 33, Idaho Code by the administration of a new Section 33 through 141, Idaho Code, to provide for the display of the national motto in certain circumstances and to declare an emergency and to provide an effective date be enacted by the legislature of the state of Idaho, Section 1, Chapter 1, Title 33, Idaho Code, to be, and the same is thereby amended by the addition thereto of a new section to be known and designated as Section 33-141, Idaho Code, to read as the following... 33-141 national, national Motto 1. An education institution under the general supervision, governance, or control of the state board of education or board of regrets of the University of Idaho must display a durable poster or a framed copy of a representation of the national motto, quote, in God we trust, end quote, in a conspicuous place, a such poster or frame copy includes a representation of the United States flag or representation of the flag of the state of Idaho or both. B, the background lettering framing on the poster or frame copy include any black, white, gold, or silver. C, such poster or frame copy was donated to the institution. D, such poster and frame do not contain any other lettering, verbiage, images, logos, or likeness other than that that is permitted by this section. And E, such poster and framing do not contain any marks identifying the donor of the poster. Two, a poster or frame copy that meets the requirements of the subsection 1A and B of the subsection may be purchased by private donation and be made available to an institution pursuit to subsection 1 of this section. Section 2, an emergency existing therefore with emergency is which emergency is hereby declared to exist. This act shall be in full force and effect on and after July 1st, 2023. So, as of reading it, um, the best I can understand and some articles that it has to do with the national motto, which I didn't know this was. I know we have it on our money and bills, but I didn't know it was actually the set national motto, which is in God we trust. As best as I can understand from the reading of that bill, um, it has to do with the fact that I think it's saying that educational institutions have to have a poster somewhere stating that with the American flag somewhere in the building. Um, I think that's what it's saying, but the part that kind of gets a little weird is uh, like, I think it's C in section one, such a poster or frame copy was donated to the institution. When I was reading articles, it seemed like they were getting caught on that a little bit more and stating that like, how would this work if like people start donating these things to education places, they have to put them up. Um, I'm not quite seeing that, but it is kind of some weird verbiage. 
the best I can understand is, yeah, as I said, that it it has to do with the fact that a school has to have the national motto somewhere in it. Um, and then within these certain criterias, A, B, C, D, E, whatever. Um, I kind of like the spirit a little bit that like if it's an educational institution or something in the state that they have to show the national motto, but then I could also see someone saying, you know, that's kind of what they do in dictatorial countries where they're like, you have to have the poster of the dictator in all your buildings and stuff. Um, which yeah, that, that, that's definitely not good. Um, I think the tricky part is where this gets into the fact that it's not requiring private entities, the general public, but it's requiring buildings or institutions that get federal or not federal state funding um, is where they're bringing this boom down and to try to show patriotism. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I'm a patriot at heart, so I kind of am for it. Um, on the other hand, I'm like, it's um, but I, yeah, you know, if on the one hand someone's sitting there and they're like, we want to have the flag of Iraq and the flag of Russia or China in our classroom or whatever, but yeah, we're not going to show, you know, the American flag in here because it's blah, blah, blah. Then I'd be like, well, I feel like you kind of need a law that would make it so that schools have to be representative of the both sides that they're trying to walk here and not just one side. Um, but it's just a interesting, really weird law. I think I'll put a poll out on Twitter about it. And if you guys want to respond back or email, I'll put your thing in the poll or whatever. Um, but what do you guys think about this? I'm not sure. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm kind of for it because it's kind of patriotic type of thing. But then again, maybe I'm not understanding this correctly. What do you guys think? Next one is a little bit of a sobering note. Bill for Firing Squad. Wednesday, the House Bill 186 was introduced by the Idaho House Ways and Means Committee. This bill, if passed, would allow the IDOC director to use execution by firing squad. If the chemicals required for lethal injection are not available, the sponsor of the bill, Republican Bruce Skog from Nampa, argued that the firing squad is a more humane way than lethal injection, which sometimes doesn't work. This also comes as it has been hard to get chemicals required for the injection, thus leaving people on death row far longer than need be. As of the writing of this script, Thursday, February 23rd, the bill was referred to the Judiciary Rules and Administration Committee. Which I know some people, um, the humanity, humane stuff and everything about executions and even the death penalty period sometimes can be a little bit of a hot button topic. In my opinion, and as a Christian, there again, a lot of this, you know, it comes from a, a Christian worldview, the belief that there is a God. Um, I heard it well said once, an argument for it that the reason that we have uh, the death sentence, right, why that exists is kind of the idea that, okay, you've done something really, really, really bad. And it's something that as our society and in our lawmaking, we have deemed that is unacceptable. But the level of the crime that you've committed is so heinous that we as humans aren't able to judge you accordingly. And so the death penalty is a way that we can't judge you in this life, but that you will be judged in the life to come, that the Lord will judge you justly for what has occurred. Now, some could say, well, okay, yeah, you said that, but what if you kill the man? Then we're getting judged unjustly for killing a man that was innocent, right? 
And that's that's fully true. And I have no doubt as human beings, we definitely, you know, as the death penalty has either exist or waned within history and stuff, we have made mistakes in its use and killing people that didn't deserve that penalty. Um, but on the flip side, that didn't stop God and scripture from giving that decree, that judgment towards other people. And thus, I think that sh we should bring that into our consideration that yes, could it be misused? Yes, same as a gun can be misused. But there again, like on the gun issue, some people forget, okay, yeah, it can be misused, but it can also be used for a wonderful good. Um, then coming back to this whole thing and the hu humane way of doing it, that is something that has been an ongoing thing throughout history. You know, you had hangings and then like, well, not hangings, let's do the guillotine. That's probably nicer to the person because, you know, yeah, we got to kill them, but, you know, don't want to make them suffer. And then we have firing squads and then, you know, electric chair and then other stuff, right, throughout history. Um, part of this as I was reading it. It just sounds like it's coming down to the fact that trying to get the chemicals required to do the lethal kind of injection stuff is just getting really hard and not consistent. I mean, in the article that I read from the East Idaho News on this, they cited that Utah had to bring back the firing squad form of execution, partly due to the fact that they just were having so many uh, people on death row and they couldn't get the chemicals they needed. The article also stated that, you know, back some bill, I can't remember the name, I should have put it in my notes and I didn't, um, that would that was passed in Idaho that required allowed for the uh, pharmacies that would give those things to the state, the needed uh, chemicals that they would have immunity and that they wouldn't have to publicly report that. And so they wouldn't have to fear that to hopefully have businesses give them more of the stuff they need and bring that supply chain up. But it just seems to have not done it. I mean, I could see where a firing squad could also have um, not working, kind of like the lethal injections where you don't actually properly shoot the person and they're not instantly dead. But I think it's good to have a couple different means to switch to. And out of all the means of trying to humanely kill a person, um, I think a firing squad is pretty good. Electrocution, no. Guillotine, no. Hanging, no, I, I, I would disagree with that. But then again, I haven't read a ton up on it. I would lean to say that probably lethal injection and firing squad are probably your two best bets. So it'll be interesting to see as it moves through here. Next one here is related to education and a little dear to my heart, possible state funding for homeschoolers. This comes by the main kind of uh, article I used for this was the East Idaho News by Rhett Nelson. So Thursday, last Thursday, Senate Bill 1038 rolled out of committee with a recommendation to pass. Tammy Nichols, Republican representative from Middleton, and Brian Leaney, Republican representative from Nampa, are the sponsors for it. As for what the bill is about, it would create saving accounts for children K-12 that the state education fund would go into, and then parents would then be allowed to pull from that to pay for approved education expenses. That last part is very important. Quote, parents will be able to access and spend these funds on the behalf of their children for approved education expenses through an online platform. End quote. The bill is asking for $45 million from the state's general fund for the first year of the program. The first $40 million would go directly to setting up the accounts and the other $5 million into the cost for a digital platform. According to the East Idaho News, it would work out to about $5,950 per student, which is about 80% of the amount that is spent on kids in public school. As for the writing of this script, the bill was read for the second time Friday, the 17th, and was retained on the calendar on the 24th. 
With that said, going into kind of the discussionary part of this, I think this is cool. I know there is some concerns about when the government gets in the business of funding anything. Some people get fears of regulation and stuff. If you go into the bill and read it, there is a section that clearly states that the state is not allowed to regulate homeschoolers or non-public school institutions but this, this is an allocation of taxpayer money that it's available to students that don't go to the public school district, which for those that are not in the homeschooling world, I think is a wonderful thing, mainly for the fact, consider this, we pay taxes, everyone here pays taxes, and a certain amount of those taxes go to paying for the public school district. The frustrating part is if you're someone who's homeschooled, you don't get to utilize those funds. They're taken and then you don't get them back. Um, and the fact that you're not sending their children to school, that new gym that got built, that new volleyball field, whatever, you know, rarely do homeschoolers really get to enjoy the benefits of those tax dollars that end up there. Rather than having this would be something that would be really helpful to families that are like, well, I can't afford homeschooling, but I want to homeschool and I have the time to homeschool, but just not the money to homeschool. Well, now this would allow them to be like, hey, you've got 5000 $950 per student that is available per year for you, each one of your children to do that. And so it brings that barrier down. Now, some people might say, well, what's the, you know, functionality and benefit between homeschool and public school? My answer to that is I'd recommend you go look out at how well does the end product work? You know, I'm not trying to get really down into dehumanizing this, but think about it kind of like a production line at a factory. If you've got one uh, factory A and factory B, Factory A makes a certain type of car, and then Factory B, you know, it's the same type of car, but, you know, you know they're different models. Um, factory A, it's the public school district. It has a certain way that it makes that end product, which is a car. At the end of the day, the car is supposed to go this fast and do these things, and that's what defined as a good car. Um, and then you have the other factory, which is homeschooling, that has a way different approach of how it does it and how it sponsors and money and resources and blah, 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 blah. Well, at the end of the day, we want whichever system produces the best car, the best student in this case, for the sake of the analogy. Well, I would argue if you look at the comparison of when a homeschool graduate and then a public school graduate then go to college and how well they perform at college and then the type of jobs and things that both that homeschooler and public schooler then get into from there, I think you see, and from what I've read, and there again, I could be just seeing the stuff that I'm interested in and I like and enjoy and approve because that can kind of happen sometimes. But from the resources I've seen, um, you see a higher propensity of efficiency, better grades, better GPAs, everything from the homeschooler than the public schooler. And so that should tell us one system is working better than the other. And thus also the cool benefit with that homeschooling is it puts less of a strain on the state and the public system that they aren't having to pay for all these teachers and administrators and all these other things. Not to say homeschooling doesn't have its issues. It does have its issues. One of the things that's brought up about it is the socialization element and exposure to society and different stuff like that that is brought up on the topic. And it is a drawback at times. Yes, I will agree. Um, I think you see a lot of cases and stuff where I think a good way to look at this is that no system is perfect. The public schools district does excel in that social element. Um, I would argue in the element that it's trying to do its job in, which is educating, it fails at, 
um, or is not the best way to do it, rather than homeschooling achieves its objective and educating well, but does kind of sometimes shortfall within the realm of socialization. And so it's something to be aware of. Granted, I would say that socialization element comes down to the parents. That homeschooling, the act itself, the science itself, is not bad. It just depends on the parents. If you've got two introverted parents and they're homeschooling, then yeah, that kid's going to get a lot less exposure because the parents are not going to take him to events and stuff. Rather than if you've got a bunch of really involved homeschooling parents that are sitting there and they're extroverts and they're taking him out to events and they're involved in city council meetings and they're taking him to that and school things and or not school things, library events and different stuff and church and yada, yada, yada. He's getting a ton of socializing and he's getting socializing with people that have wonderful values, wonderful things that are being instilled to him and his parents are able to help and push him in that direction. So I think I would argue for the place of homeschooling and then having these funds then being allowed for homeschoolers to have access to so that those paying those tax dollars monies, they can actually get it back and fundage that they can use for their children rather than being a sunk cost. They're paying for something they're not using. So I think this bill is a really, really cool thing. It'll be interesting to see as it goes through. I haven't listened to a lot of stuff. Maybe there's something I'm missing in the hearings or some catches. Um, but from the best I can hear, it won't regulate homeschoolers. It will just offer those funds. A certain portion of the taxpayers' funds will be available to the parents that are doing homeschooling. Um, and then also not being involved in you know that regulatory element. Um, and it's also, I think, like a preliminary program. It's not like final. That's what I've heard a little bit, that they're testing it to see how it works, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think that's all for it. Test a little bit. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, then you scrap it and you learned your lesson, right? Um, but it will be interesting to see as it goes forward. Please do share me your thoughts if you have any on this. Now we come to our last political story, March 14th, school bond and levy elections. This comes by KTVB7 for the primary source. Lastly, in political stories, March 14th is bond and levy election day for Idaho schools. Not every school is having election, but Ada County, Adams County, Boise County, Camas County, Canyon County, Cache County, Clustered, Butte, Lemhi Counties, Gem County, Gooding, Jerome County, Owyhee County, Payette County, Twin Falls County, Valley County, Washington County are all having elections. I'm not going to go into each one, but there is a link below where you can see a list of those. KTVB has done, or KTVB7 has done a really nice job of having those listed. Um, you will need to check because some of those county things, it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, you say you're looking at like uh, Ada County. It's like, oh, it's only for the CUNA. And then you're like, well, I'm not involved in CUNA. So do check it out to see if there's some elections and stuff that you do need to vote on there for different things and stuff. It's not really a long one. I don't have a lot of discussionary elements, but I thought it was something worth sharing to keep on people's radar when it comes to political stuff and things. So you know that that's happening and you can be involved in your local community. And that closes us out for political news. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If I missed something, got something wrong, or you have some advice for the show, then send me an email at localyokelidaho2022 at gmail.com or tweet me at localyokelidaho on Twitter. This show is just a one-man show, so I can't afford to go over everything, but I hope I was able to cover as many relevant things as possible. Thank you for your help and support. That's all for now, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your week. Godspeed.